it doesn't get recorded, then I'm not accountable, right? <laughs> well, uh, we've been going. God has allowed us uh, to minister in two places, and uh, one of them is in the northeast part of India. This little piece over here uh, belongs to India and is surrounded by Burma on the east side, China to the north, Bhutan, Nepal, and Bangladesh. And you say, why in the world would you go to there? Uh, well, uh, this is a very strategic place in that we are just uh, a few miles from the borders of these, these nations I just mentioned, which are uh, closed or restricted nations to American missionaries. And so we cannot, uh, we cannot even go to India as missionaries. We uh, go as tourists. And uh, we just hope that they don't notice how many times we come to be tourists there. And uh, the other place God has opened up for us is over here uh, in the country of Armenia. And while it's, it's just outside the, uh, the 1040 line, uh, and our ministry is to that 1040 area, uh, we are out sitting on the northern border of Iran and uh, to the east of Turkey, to the west of Azerbaijan. All of these are Muslim nations where it is illegal to have church, uh, to bring in scriptures. And our, our ministry is, uh, right now God has opened the door for us to encourage and help the nationals in these areas. Not only in India and Armenia, but to enable them and energize them to, to go across those restricted borders where they can go. And they are, they are able to go across these places. Uh, we, we just returned from five weeks in uh, India. <clears throat> and uh, the people in this area actually uh, look, look a little different than the people of southern India. Uh, they're much more oriental in, uh, in their look and the way they speak. Uh, there's a Mongolian influence there. There's uh, Chinese influence. And uh, we've... We've gotten to work with uh, some pastors and missionaries there that are doing the work. Uh, we have not invented anything. We have not started anything. We have come along to find people who simply could use help with uh, scriptures. Our primary purpose of our ministry uh, with First Bible is ours is uh, the national training, but we also uh, have a part in finding languages in the world that do not have the Bible. Now, how many uh, languages or people groups do you think there are in the world that don't have a Bible yet? I mean, we're in the 21st century, right? Everybody ought to have the Bible by now. Yet there's over 5,000 language groups that do not have a Bible. It's just amazing to me uh, that we, we live in this day. Now, there's some argument about that because there are many Bibles but there's one Word of God. And uh, when we talk about them not having the Bible, we mean something that's equivalent to the old King James Bible and from the right text. And so our ministry only does work with the translation of that and the printing. And then, uh, But once you give somebody the Bible, is that all we need to do? Have we fulfilled the Great Commission if we just simply get them the Bible, and that's a great feat, by the way, to be able to do something like that. We've gotten to uh, see uh, recently, we've a couple years ago, we were able to help with the Nepali Bible. Uh, 
they're about to present the New Testament to the Mongolian people. Um, we were able to, uh, just last year, we presented the New Testament for a, a tribal group in India called the Tato, Tato language. And we uh, spent our last meetings with the Tato people in, uh, in, the, in the state of Manipur of India. And it, it borders that, uh, that region with Burma or Myanmar. And uh, we're excited what God's doing there. We already have like six invitations for next year in just the state of Manipur. And one of them is to go across the border into Burma. Uh, one of the missionaries we've been working with has just started the first church, a Baptist church, in the, the country of Burma, just across the border. And the way, way that's worked for him is uh, the tribal people do not have uh, political borders in their mind. Uh, if you come along this, this border here with Burma and India, there's a group there called the Tonkal tribe. Tonkal uh, is the name of their, their tribe and language. And they straddle both sides of that border. And so they have family that's on both sides of this border. And so they're trying to reach their people. And um, so there's a region there that uh, they want us to come and help with uh, pastor and uh, leadership training next year. And we're excited about that. Um, this is the kind of work that we're trying to do. We're, if you have a, a part of the world that uh, says, no, you cannot come in, um, do we just say, well, I guess I can't go there. I guess I can't do anything. They won't let us in. They may kill us. They may uh, lock us up forever. Um, because they, they are very serious about that in some places. And uh, Or do we, uh, we believe God's Word? He said, go ye in all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And so, uh, would God ever give us a command that he would not enable us to obey? See, I believe that he, he will enable us. And it may not be the, the uh, normal missionary way. Uh, we have to think outside the box, as uh, our, our founder said. Uh, we have to come up with another way. Because, and that's why we're doing what we're doing. We're only able to make short trips into these places. And we will do that as long as they let us come in. Um, there have been a lot of missionaries expelled from India this last year. And so uh, we don't know how long we have, but uh, we'll continue to go through open doors where God will let us. And anywhere in this 1040 window is what we're, we're trying to reach as many people groups as we can through the nationals. The key is through the nationals. In, in our mind, the white guy comes along I don't know their language. I don't know their culture. I don't live like they do normally. <laughs> uh, it's very primitive up in that area. Uh, most of the time, they have no electricity. Um, they live off the land. But they, uh, but they have a heart for their people. And uh, what they need help with is printing of scriptures. And we've shipped in containers of, of different things to them, uh, Sunday school materials and resources, because uh, I don't know how it is exactly here in Ireland, but in America we have we have Bible bookstores everywhere. Some ought to be burned to the ground, but uh, uh, you can get good Bibles and materials 
if you look hard enough. But that's not the case in this, this area. Uh, it's, you have to uh, smuggle things in. Uh, you have to have a friend from outside try to ship you something and hope it gets there. Because they do search your, your luggage. They do search your mail. They, uh, they monitor your internet activity. And uh, thank God for your freedoms. Amen? Amen. And uh, thank God we have the Word of God in our language. And thank God we're able to assemble like this uh, freely today because of the Lord Jesus and what He's done for us. But that's not the case everywhere. We need to pray for these that are uh, in the persecuted church. We have the opportunity this year to work with a, uh, an Irish missionary uh, who lives in Armenia. And uh, his, his ministry is to the persecuted church. And he's asked if we come and help with the training of the pastors, and he has all the details to work out for that. But uh, they will come into Armenia and uh, meet secretly. In that case, very, a very sensitive uh, meeting, uh, more so than in India. <clears throat> in India, we have relative freedom. That northeast area of India is also... Uh, strategic in that about a hundred years ago uh, a Scottish missionary came there and uh, several others from uh, the states and they evangelized that northeast part of India. So today we have a, uh, a relative freedom there while the, uh, the main part of the country doesn't care for them and they treat them badly in some ways. Uh, they have we have the freedom to come in and preach in churches and, and even go into schools and give the gospel. And, and so, praise God for that. But uh, a great number of missionaries and pastors for India in that area come from that area of India. They, they are from the Manipur, the Nagaland, the, the West Bengal, Assam states of uh, India. Now, what can we do? What can you do? What would you ask God? Ask God, what, what would he have each of us do to have a part? Because see, this, this part is what the Bible calls the uttermost. The uttermost is that part that we're not reaching, that, that's not been reached. It's a part of the world that does not have a, uh, enough Christians who, to assemble a church, have a pastor. In most cases, they don't have the Bible in their, their heart language. Now, when we go to that part of India, we, we preach in English, and we translate they translate for us if they need to. Uh, we are trying to get scriptures to them. Uh, we're delivering this year the uh, Kannada Indian translation. It's one of the languages of, of uh, central India. And they say that uh, 65 million people speak this, this language. There's only uh, 1,062 languages in India. And uh, we're working on it. Amen? <coughs> <laughs> I would ask you to pray about something. We we see a, if we could get a Hindi Bible uh, translated from the right text, we could reach 65% to 70% of the population of India, which is 1.2 billion people. That would be a tremendous, tremendous uh, asset. Um, currently, they, all they have is something equivalent to the NIV, and um, it's full of, full of problems, just like the English one is. Amen? <laughs> so, 
I'm, uh, I'm so happy the Lord has given me a wife that loves ministry as much as I do. And uh, I'm privileged to have her travel on our ministry to, together, even on our anniversary. <laughs> and so uh, Ireland was a kind of a mix, <laughs> seeing some friends, uh, seeing some friends we met before and uh, uh, getting to preach the word, but also to take a couple of days to look around at your beautiful land. And uh, we, we spent six years in uh, the Azor Islands of Portugal. I don't know if anyone's familiar with that, but it's like a miniature of Ireland, at least the island we were on. And so it brings a lot of memories back. That was our first mission field, and um, the weather is a lot like here. Uh, wet all winter, and uh, uh, <laughs> but nice and comfortable. But uh, it's a privilege to serve the Savior. Amen. Amen. Are you serving him someplace, somehow, in your church, under the ministry of your church? That's the best place to serve the Savior. We are sent by First Baptist Church of Milford, Ohio. Our ministry uh, with First Bible now since 2012. and We're so thankful that we have the opportunity to, to go to places where I never thought we'd go, that's for sure. Uh, <clears throat> after uh, Portugal, we went to Japan. Okinawa, Japan for seven years, and uh, we God blessed in each place. As uh, my wife was uh, very ill for a couple of years with cancer and uh, the follow-up treatments and stuff, the Lord kind of put us in a, uh, kind of on the, it seemed almost like on a shelf, and we were afraid that, we did not want that to happen. Uh, we still, our heart was still to go to the mission field, to be on the mission field. And uh, what I want to speak to you today is about uh, knowing God's perfect will for your life. If I were to ask you this morning, do you know that you're in the center of God's perfect will? Would you be able to say, yes, I know, I know, and I can show you in Scripture why I believe that. That's how we ought to be able to do it. It's not because I feel like it or I think I might be there. Uh, it is it's something that God can show you in the Scripture. And uh, if I had time, I could tell you story after story how the Lord has, has done that for us. Um, but if you turn in your Bible to Romans chapter 12, we're going to read the first three verses. <clears throat> While we turn there, does anybody have a, a very quick question? Anything uh, about our ministry I, maybe I did not cover? Sir? No, sir, I don't. <laughs> uh, trouble is, uh, which one would I learn? <clears throat> even in that, uh, even though Hindi is a national language, many people up in that northeast area are resentful of that. They don't. They don't speak it much. Um, they they tell me to speak English, and uh, of course they they speak um, English like Irish speak English. You know, for us, I, I thought I was going to have to have an interpreter. I, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, they they speak English, and uh, they some more than others, but we uh, I. I preached several places where they would use an interpreter and uh, to make sure that everyone can understand. And uh, 
So uh, if, I, if I stop and hesitate waiting for the interpreter, uh, you'll have to forgive me because I've gotten in that habit the last month. <laughs> you, you, you have to kind of you know, pace yourself, okay? You say a phrase and you wait for him to, to say it. And sometimes you get interpreters that they like to elaborate on what you just said. <laughs> you can always tell when they're, they're kind of going on about something. And uh, There's no way there could be that many words. <laughs> so, any other questions? Uh, Hindi would be the most predominant language there, and some of the people, the further west we went in that north, this area up here, the more Hindi was spoken. But you get out here in this tribal area, it's very tribal. Just a couple generations ago, they were headhunters. They were, you know, in some places there's still some of that going on, I think. Uh, we These people were working with much more intelligent than me. <laughs> they speak and read and write six to eight languages. This is another aspect of the ministry we're, we're hoping to use. If we can give them training and we bring in materials at their request, different things that they want us to speak about, along with some things that we think would be important, like Baptist distinctives, doctrinal issues, um, we, we then encourage them to take this back to their work wherever they are to use it, but to translate it also because uh, they they only have to go about 10 miles down the road and that village there speaks a different language. And I really don't know how they do it. but So they have a trade language. They have an official language. Uh, many of them use English as a trade language. Uh, we know married couples. He's a pastor there who uh, from two different tribes, they don't speak each other's language. <clears throat> they speak to each other in English. Wouldn't that be strange, huh? Yeah. It means you could really tell her off, you know, when you want to, and she wouldn't know a thing. <laughs> um, there was another hand up here. Yes, sir. Yeah, I, was, I was just wondering about the things you can't say, but I mean, I was just wondering if are you getting many converts from the countries that are... Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Uh, one college we spoke in uh, near the Burma border, there were 16 students from Burma in, the, in this uh, college, had about 40 students. Um, we've, we've had meetings where the, as many as six nations were represented in the, in the conference. Uh, this year we were able to, uh, we had over 650 people attend these conferences. We held conferences in six locations. Um, and so, yes, it's a blessing. Uh, we've, this year, it seemed God really uh, magnified this one area that we, th- we th- would like to think we're beyond, that we could go on with other things, and that is uh, many people have a head knowledge of salvation, but not a, not a true relationship with Christ. And so we found ourselves in every case uh, giving the gospel and uh, invitation we had uh, close to 200 people saved this trip. Uh, 
which surprised me. Some of them were in Bible colleges. We had in one meeting, we had uh, a deacon got saved. Uh, choir members were getting coming up to get saved. Uh, we had the head man of the of the village, who was like in years ago we call him the king of the village. He he would sit over here by himself on the side of the the service, and, and he's walking up to get saved. And so, praise God, praise God. Uh, God took us some some pretty remote places where my flesh said, I don't really want to make the five-hour trip on that road to get there because it wasn't really a road. (laughs) Uh, I remember my grandfather on his farm had these two-track trails that went back to another section of of farmland. That's kind of what we were only. There was, it was on the side of a mountain. (laughs) And so... For an hour and a half, we're driving like this on the side of this mountain. With there's only room for a car, and I'm thinking, uh, what happens if a car comes this way? You know, there's nowhere to go. And uh, it, it, I thought, well, maybe it'd be like the cartoon, you know, how the the car lifts up and the other one goes underneath or something. Uh, no, yeah, there's uh, oh, there's such a blessing to when we get there. The people were very very kind and responsive. And um, we were in an area, uh, in it's a state is called Sikkim, and it is in the uh, foothills of the Himalayans. It definitely was the coldest place we went, and uh, we about froze to death, I think. <laughs> but in any case, uh, it was a, a beautiful place, and we had a Bible conference there, and uh, we got to hand out that, that area, the foothills there of India, uh, leading up to the Himalayans actually speak Nepali, the uh, language of Nepal. And uh, our ministry was able to ship a couple thousand whole Bibles in the Nepali language ahead of us. And we had the privilege of giving out uh, their first accurate Bible. In many cases, their first Bible. And so that that is a tremendous experience. If you have never handed somebody their bi- uh, their first Bible. Uh, it's hard to explain. but Because, uh, I mean, they're, they're weeping, they're kissing it, they're hugging it, they're, uh, they're so thankful. They're so thankful. Let me ask you today, are you thankful for your Bible? Do you love your Bible? Maybe we need to fall in love with our Bible again and to, to really spend time with God and let Him draw us to a closer walk with him, even if we've been saved a long time. You know, last last month was my 35th anniversary of, of being saved, and I, I don't want to ever get where, well, I've read it before, you know. What, what could there be new? <laughs> but this is a living book, amen? And you keep reading it, and God can meet the need you have today. Miraculously, it's... it's there's no explanation other than God that he could speak to your heart through verses that you've read before to meet a need you have today. And that's, that's such, a, such a tremendous thing to, to know God can speak to your heart. He can, you, you might be praying about something. Let me, let me encourage you to find his answer here because he will answer. He will answer. And, uh, <clears throat> but we've got to open it. We've got to read it. And uh, not just on Sunday, but uh, Monday through Saturday as well. 
and uh, have time with God. Romans chapter 12, <clears throat> verse 1 through 3, and I'll have to speed along here. Uh, let's stand in honor of God's Word, and um, let me just read the first three verses. Letter of Paul to the, the Church of Rome, <coughs> to the uh, Roman Christians, but applicable to us. Amen? Because it's God's Word. It says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may be that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. For I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. Father, help us now as we look at your word. Pray that you'd speak to our hearts. Fill me and use me, Lord, I ask that you would help me to to say what you once said. May you challenge us today from the Word. Lord, may we see you afresh and uh, that you have a purpose for our life, that you have a a plan, you have a perfect will. May we seek and uh, strive to be in that perfect will for our lives so you could use us in even greater ways than ever before. We ask that you'd help each one, maybe some here that don't know what I'm talking about as far as the perfect will. May they May they decide today to seek that out, to find you, Lord, to know what, what you brought them into salvation, into that relationship with you, what the purpose was. And maybe some have strayed from that perfect will, and may they turn back and get on course today. Pray, God, that you'd have your way in each and every heart. If someone has come today and does not know you as personal Savior, may they come to know you today. May they come to see their need of a Savior and forgiveness of their sin and that you have great blessings for them as a child of God. We ask all these things in Christ's name. Amen. I'm going to speak to you today about being a living sacrifice. A living sacrifice. Paul says here in verse 1, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. A living sacrifice. Now, we're going to talk about what does that mean, to be a living sacrifice. We certainly could have various definitions of that, or what we think might be a living sacrifice. But we're going to look at Scripture today, and then we're going to see what is the purpose of being a living sacrifice. Is it just so I can say I'm a living sacrifice? Is it so I can say I'm, I'm a good Christian? <laughs> uh, no, God has a reason for saving us. And then wanting us to be his workmanship, as Ephesians 2.10 tells us. Uh, he is, he is uh, making a new creature out of us. He wants us to, uh, in Philippians 1.6, it says there that, that he wants to, that he is, he is doing his, his will in our life. I can't seem to get the word for it. Let me look. Um, and being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of, of Jesus Christ. Is he, is he performing a good work in you? 
If you're saved, he has begun a good work. But that work only progresses as we yield to him, as we allow him to have his way in our heart, as we submit ourselves to him. Christian life is about submission. Brother Dan and I are talking about this. Uh, I usually use the word surrender, but that word submission is, uh, I think, better. Because uh, I used to, I used to uh, pastor a military church in Okinawa. And when I would talk about surrender, that kind of hit a wall. <laughs> and God had to say, hey, dummy, <laughs> they're taught not to surrender. <laughs> You have to come up with another way to say this because <laughs> submit. We have to submit to Him. We have to submit to the Spirit of God speaking to our heart as we're in the services like this, as we're as we're reading His Word, as we're in prayer. God wants us to yield ourselves to His way because He knows best. He knows better than we can ever come up with, and uh, and so God wants us to be a living sacrifice. <laughs> Let me uh, begin with this poem by uh, a lady named Alice Mortensen called uh, Who is a Missionary? Uh, if you were lost in the darkness and night with no one to show you the way, would you want someone to bring you the light? And wouldn't you want it today? If no one had told you of Jesus at all, his love, his compassion, his death, well, wouldn't you want the message to come before you'd drawn your last breath? If sinking in evil traditions you were, bound by what you believed, that's India, helpless and hopeless, oh, wouldn't you want a chance to at least to be freed? Would you want them to wait while they built new houses and paid for a still better car? Or while making the home base an elegant place before sending the message afar? Would you want them to table the plans that were made to expand on missions this year? because of conditions around the world and the days of uncertainty here. Would you want them to wait with the message of hope while you were dying and lost? Oh, I know that your answer would ring through the gloom. Please send it at any cost. So let's send it out to millions in need, the light that will show them the way. For if, if it were you in the darkness and night, you'd want it. You'd want it today. God wants us to be a living sacrifice for Him. We're to go to our Jerusalem, our Judea, our Samaria, and the uttermost at the same time. It says both in there, in, the, in the Acts 1.8. How am I to do that? Well, we're going to look at how we can do that today. Um, because it all goes back to if I'm submitted if I'm submitted to Him, if I'm surrendered to His will, if I am in the, in the center of His perfect will. Because I think, and I've done this myself probably, uh, we sometimes will become satisfied with His permissive will. We're not doing anything wrong. We just may not be in His perfect will. Because we've settled to be somewhere we, where we maybe are a little more comfortable. I could have done that. When God called us to leave Portugal to go to Japan, nobody knew that except for the, the man that asked me to pray, who was my director, and the missionary that was sitting in Okinawa waiting. 
And I wrestled with God about that. <clears throat> I thought to myself, why do I need to go somewhere else? I'm already a missionary right here. Isn't this what I'm supposed to do? But you see, sometimes God moves us along. Not everybody goes and stays in the same place, and there's nothing wrong with that. But that, that can be a detriment to us if we think that everybody's supposed to do the same thing. God doesn't always do everything the same way with us. And he's chosen to move us all over the place. <laughs> Thank God for my wife. We've now moved 29 times <clears throat> in our married life. Amen. I have a saint. She deserves a medal. <laughs> Amen. That's right. <laughs> you can kiss me later. Um, a point to ponder here. When the tabernacle was built in the wilderness, the children of Israel gave willingly of their best. They were asked to bring an offering, and they brought their best. Now, however, when, when uh, the golden calf was made by Aaron, they likewise made an offering uh, of their earrings. In either case, whether for God or for the devil, they made a contribution. Am I making sense here? Um, we're always making an offering. We are always. It's like you're talking about having this, this sowing course. We are always a witness. Sometimes we're a good witness and sometimes we're not. Oh, me. Uh, so it, it's, it's not something that we confine to a, uh, an hour or a couple hours. It's, it is something we are to become. A witness. We, and ye shall be witnesses unto me in, both in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost. Um, but before I became something like that, what God wanted, I had to submit. Because uh, I was not a public person. <laughs> I, I didn't want to be in front of people. I didn't like speaking to people. And, uh, but God, when I submitted, God began preparing me and giving me opportunities to, to develop. And He is the one who develops us. You see, He calls the willing um, not the prepared, necessarily. Sometimes people think they're prepared and they, that must be God's call. No, let's wait for God's calling. But um, if we do not give to God, then we are by de facto, we're giving to the devil. If we're not spending our life, our time for God, we are, there's not a, a, a neutral area <laughs> like the, uh, the stick shifts. Huh? You have a neutral gear or no gear. Uh, we can't coast in the Christian life. We don't have time to coast. I used to, uh, when we had the military work in Okinawa, we have people anywhere from a couple weeks to a couple years. And uh, I can see in their eyes sometimes, oh, I, you know, I don't have time to do anything. I'll just I'll come to church. It'll be okay. And I say, you know what? You don't know. None of us know how long we're going to be here. We need to get busy now Amen. and do something for God now. Amen. Because uh, the Bible tells us not to boast thyself of tomorrow. Right. And so, as Christians, we've got to realize we have today. 
Someone sitting here may not be here next week. It could be me. Well, I won't be here. I'll be in the <laughs> Didn't think about that too well, did I? Here on God's green earth, amen? We, we, we like to live like we're going to live forever. And we got, we got plans. We're going to serve. We're going to do this and that. But we need, to, we need to have a little more urgency. God wants us to be a living sacrifice. Not almost dead or dead. That, that kind of throws out the window that thing about hanging myself on a cross. <coughs> no, God wants us to live for Him. He never has asked us... In, the, in His Word, He didn't say, you must die for me. And that is the one thing that makes Christianity different from other religions. The other gods demand that you die for them. Our, our Savior died for us. Amen? He died for us. And uh, He wants us to simply live for Him. He wants to surrender to Him, to submit to His will, so He may accomplish His purpose through our lives. Because He has you here in Balancholic or, or whatever town you may live in around here. He has you for, here for purpose. And along the way as well. Uh, we shouldn't miss the, the journey for the destination. Amen? Uh, we have to work on that. We get so intent on going. Okay, we're going from uh, Cleveland, Ohio to Delhi, India. But there's a lot of distance in between. <laughs> There's a lot of people in between. And if we're not careful, we'd just go to sleep and wait till we get to Delhi. And then from Delhi, we'd fly another four hours northeast into another part of India. And we have to be mindful of those around us. We have to submit to God. He's, he's put us on that airplane for a purpose. He's put us on that, in that taxi cab for a reason. Uh, there are people who need to know our Savior all along the way including right here in Ireland. But it comes back to if I'm submitted to Him. If I am, if, his, if He is in all my thoughts or not. And that, that, of course, does not come natural for us. We are made of flesh. And we must, that's why we have to spend time in His Word so we can let His mind be in us. That, that we could have the same focus he had. Uh, he came to seek and to save that which was lost. Uh, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. We're, we're, to, we're to become more like our Savior, less like ourself. <laughs> and that's a, that's a struggle because we have the flesh still. When we get saved, the Spirit moves in. And then the battle begins. Right? Who's going to be in control today? <laughs> And the one we feed more is the one that will win. And I can't say I've always had the Spirit win. Because our flesh is strong. And our will is strong. And, and we want our way about some things. But God wants us to have His will. He wants us to be a, a living sacrifice for Him. Now, look at verse 1 here. Paul was begging them. He says, I beseech you. 
there. That, that word means I beg you. I beg you, brethren. So he's talking to Christians. I beg you, brethren, by the mercy of God. And it's only by His mercy that we could do this. It's only by His mercy that we are not consumed. Um, that we present our bodies a living sacrifice. And so we see, first of all, that it's a decision. It's, a, it's an individual decision. I can't, I can't make it for you or, or for my wife or anybody else. It's a, something we must present ourselves. I must yield myself to God. And so it's, it is a decision, just like salvation. Nobody here was born into salvation. Nobody here was, uh, because of their pedigree, is a Christian. It's because one day we submitted to the plan of God, to the Savior, who said, ye must be born again, ye must repent of your sin and be saved. It was a, it was a decision. It was a decision I fought for a, probably over a year. And it seemed like every, around every corner there was somebody handing me a track and somebody trying to witness to me and someone trying to challenge my, my faith. <laughs> Thank God they didn't give up. Amen? And finally God had His way in my heart when I finally said, Okay, God, show me what's right. Because I had tried to prove them wrong. I tried to prove myself right. But... It, there's no peace within until the day of submitting. The day I said yes to Jesus Christ, I knelt beside my bunk in the Philippine Islands and, uh, and this Navy lieutenant led me to Jesus Christ. He used that illustration of the bridge. I love it. Uh, I had to see, I had to go through the cross of Jesus Christ, nothing else, because I was trying to build my own bridge. I was trying to make my own way. Is that you here today? Somebody here maybe? You're, you're trusting your goodness, your good works, you're a good person. I'm, you might be a good person, but the Bible doesn't say the, that the wages of sin is being a good person. The wages of sin is death. And that death was paid, uh, performed by the Lord Jesus Christ for us. And we must trust in His finished work on Calvary. His payment that was made for us is the only way to salvation. And so... We're to present ourselves a living sacrifice. And that, that sacrifice, it gives a little description of it. It needs to be holy. 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 Be ye holy as I am holy, Jesus said. Be ye holy. Uh, now this, this holy <coughs> has to be by God's standard. <laughs> because we're all, we're all prone to think, I'm pretty holy. I do okay. I'm not a bad person. I mean, at least I haven't killed anybody and I haven't done this or that. But that's, that's not the standard. You see, Jesus Christ is the standard. He is the only one that we need to measure up to. He is the one that we need to look to and try to emulate. Don't follow man because we'll fail you sooner or later because we're all sinful flesh. Be ye holy. Uh, that living sacrifice is to be holy. As much as we can be in God's sight, He wants us to be holy so that we're a usable sacrifice. You see, if we have unconfessed sin in our life, we're not holy. 
If we refuse to give up some sinful practice in our life, uh, we're, God is limited in how much He could use us. He can still use us some, because none of us have arrived, obviously, but we're to do our best to be like the Savior and uh, acceptable unto God. That's the second part. So what I think might be holy may not be acceptable in His eyes. That's why I've got to know what, what's acceptable to Him. What does He consider holy? What does He want me to be? Uh, because He says, these are my reasonable servants. It is only reasonable that I would present myself a living sacrifice to Him after what He's done for me. Have you thanked Him lately what He's done for you? Have you thanked Him for the gift of eternal life? Have you thanked Him for forgiveness of sins? Have you thanked Him lately uh, for the promise of eternal life in heaven one day? Boy, we start thinking about the, what He's done for us in salvation. It's only reasonable that I'd serve Him. It's only reasonable. In verse 2, it further explains what that living sacrifice is to be like. It says, be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Be not conformed. Well, that's hard these days, isn't it? Because we've got churches even trying to do this. Trying to be conformed so that we might be able to talk people into coming. No, the, the world needs to see that there's a stark difference between the lost and the saved. Amen? And not that we have arrived, not that we think we're better, because I don't think I'm better. But He is worthy that I would be holy and acceptable to Him so that He could use me more. And people need to see that there's a distinct difference between the world and true Bible Christianity. Amen? The world is sick and tired of religion. Even in India, where they have 330 million gods, uh, people are looking for answers. All they need is the one true God. Amen? We can make that real simple if they listen. So, we're not to be conformed to uh, this world. Uh, May I add there... I don't think we should be conformed to a set of rules and think we're saved. You know, I think uh, we've seen this a lot in America where they have Christian schools. The kids learn, they learn to abide by a set of rules without the second part of the verse there, without being transformed on the inside. Very possibly, they're not saved because they've been They've got in their head somehow that, well, if I just dress a certain way and I act a certain way and I, I memorize some Bible verses and, and I attend church, that I'm, I'm okay. Oh, we've got to be so careful of that. Uh, Christian school was not intended to end up that direction. <laughs> Amen. Uh, Christian education ought to be a good thing. It ought to prepare the young people to, to live for Christ and to develop a walk with God and to be transformed by the renewing of their mind. You see, when God saved me, I know He had to transform this old mind of mine. I was almost 21 years old. I've been in the world. And He had a lot of pointy corners to knock off my head. 
Amen? He had a lot of, lot of old thinking to get out. And you see, uh, we're washed by the water of the Word as the more we spend in this book. Let's see, that's, that's being transformed in the heart rather than just conformed to a set of standards or rules. That's, that was the problem with the nation of Israel. They had become so conformed that they lost somewhere this relationship with God. Now, why, why do I need to be transformed? It says in the end of that verse 2, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. That ye may carry out the perfect will of God. That ye may fulfill God's perfect will for you. There's some prerequisites there. There's some steps to it. We must present ourselves first. We must clean our life up with His help. Allow Him to clean us. Become acceptable to Him. And, and not just be conformed, especially don't be conformed to the world. We cannot straddle a fence. That's, that's a difficult decision. Seems to be hard for some. Because they, they think somehow they either can't do it, or they think that somehow they have to appeal to the world. Read about the uh, the early disciples. They couldn't be accused of uh, straddling any fences. <clears throat> Most of them ended up martyrs because they were transformed by Jesus Christ. They were transformed in their mind and their life. They were living sacrifices. <clears throat> if we're to prove what is the perfect will of God for our life. We're to carry that out. The only way that will happen is if we're transformed. If we're different. If we allowed Christ to make us different. Look at verse 3. First, God gives us a caution. He says, For I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. He warns us of the danger of pride. The danger that uh, we can get to where we feel we've arrived. We've, we've set our sight on a, a level of Christianity. We, we think that's, that's where we got to go and uh, we need to reach that. And then the devil very slyly says, No, you've made it. You're okay now. You don't have to serve so hard. You don't have to be so faithful. You've done all that. Mm. Well, that would be thinking too highly of ourselves, wouldn't it? If we think, I mean, I'm a, I'm a missionary. What else is there to do? That would be very dangerous thinking. Because I could fall as easily as uh, somebody that's a brand new Christian. Are we aware of that? How close we are to throwing it all away? One wrong decision. We need to be careful that we continue 
to be that living sacrifice. That we continue to allow God to transform us by His Word. That we continue to faithfully serve Him because it's our reasonable service. And, and to be uh, holy in His sight and acceptable. <coughs> Excuse me. Look at the last part of verse 3. But to think soberly, according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. God has dealt to you and I, each one of us, a measure of faith. That's how we can be saved in the first place. The faith it took to put in Him came from Him. It, it was not in ourselves. And the, the living of the Christian life continues to be faith that He gives us. As we take little steps towards Him, He gives us faith to continue. And uh, He's given you a portion, a measure of faith. So what we are and what we have all comes from God. Amen? God has given us everything we have. Uh, God has given to each of us a measure of faith to be used for Him in His service. And actually, He wants to do the impossible. Here's where I want to challenge you. If we're only doing what we are capable of, are we really walking by faith? If I were doing what I was capable of, I'd never been behind the pulpit. I did not have Christian upbringing. I was not a public person. God's had to help me get behind here. And after all these years, I still have a little butterfly flying around inside. I think we need to have a little one anyway. Because this is this is big stuff. This is this is serious business. And serving the Savior, no matter whether you're on this side of the pulpit or that side, is serious business. God wants to use each of us somehow, and uh, He wants us to take that measure of faith He's given us and apply it and use it for Him. And so we see some. Uh, some potential results if we apply this. Look at it again in verse 1. We first of all, if we present ourselves to Him, a living sacrifice. That's the first step. Secondly, be not conformed to this world. Now, if we leave any of these steps out, we're only hurting our, our opportunity. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now that only comes by daily Spending time with this book, letting it change us. Amen? You say, I don't have time to do that. You need to make time. We cannot afford to not walk with God. This world is waiting like the lion, the picture of the lion waiting to devour us at every corner. To destroy you. To do, well, he can't, if you're saved, he can't take your salvation, but he will make you ineffective if you do not watch out. Okay, so we present ourselves. We stop being conformed to the world because that comes natural. Everybody likes to be liked. Right? Why else would we be conformed to something? I was in the Navy for 14 years. You know that? 
the uh, the uh, atmosphere there was all about the boys going out drinking. Now remember the day that God convicted me and said, "I want you to be different." And I had to tell them at the door, I'm not going tonight. And one of them had heard I got saved. So he says, oh, you got some of that religion, did you? I said, yeah, I guess so. You know, God brought blessings from that. I had to stop being conformed to the world. And it was not easy because they never let up. I have an uncle today. I've been saved 35 years Every time I go to visit him, he always offers me beer. He knows I'm a preacher. He knows I'm a missionary. I think I look at him, I say, no, but I'd like a Coca-Cola. Some people have to watch a long, 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 long time maybe see a difference. Or if they only see you once in a while, they want to know, hey, this guy's still, still doing this. Yeah. Amen. Don't give up. Don't give up on your old friends, but be careful how close you get there. Um, so we're to be transformed when God God then shows us His perfect will for our lives. Do you see that? In the verse verse two, He says, "Be not transformed to this world, but be transformed." But I'm sorry, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove or fulfill what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So, knowing what that will of God is, is get, that, that knowledge is from God. And He will only reveal that to us as we stop being conformed, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And then He gives you the measure of faith in verse 3 that we need in order to fulfill His will. Now, let's look at an application. This will be done. We're in 2 Corinthians 8. 2 Corinthians 8. I'm sure you've heard this passage preached on. But I believe this is... This gives the key to it all. Which which I've already told you, but um, we'll see it again. Looks in verse 1, 2 Corinthians 8, 1. Moreover, brethren, we do you to wit, or we, we want you to know, of the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. That's, that's Philippi, Thessalonica, uh, Berea, places that Paul took the gospel and, and established churches. Now, how that in a great trial of affliction... The abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded unto the riches of their liberality. He's saying that even amidst great affliction, many who were saved in those days were ostracized. They were, they were thrown out of their homes. They were thrown out of their, their work. They suffered a great deal. And many in deep poverty because of this. But look at verse 3. It says, For to their power... I bear record, yea, and beyond their power, they were willing of themselves. This verse shows us that they did all they could. It says, for to their power means they, they gave, they served, they did all that they were physically able to do. But it goes beyond that. It says, uh, 
beyond their power. Beyond their power, they were willing of themselves. That's, that I call that, uh, that's taking a, a step into the supernatural. That's, that's now saying, God, I've done all I can, and I think we should. But now I want to see you do what you want to do. Amen? God wants to do more than just what we're capable of. But, and it's only, it's only doable with his power. Look, look with me. Uh, verse 4. Praying us with much entreaty that we would receive the gift and take upon us the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. And this they did, not as we hoped. Here's the key. But first gave their own selves to the Lord. But first gave their own selves to the Lord. And unto us by the will of God. And unto us by the will of God. There's that will of God again. They, they were able to do what they were doing by God's grace. Tells us in verse 1. But how did this happen? Verse 5. First. First. Gave their own selves. First submitted themselves to God's will. First. So the step to seeing beyond my power, the step to seeing uh, that must occur before I can see God do what I cannot do is first submit myself to Him. Give myself to Him. It's a decision. All this made possible by the grace of God. God bestowed or poured His grace on the churches of Macedonia because of their willingness to give themselves to Him. A living sacrifice. A living sacrifice. How are we going to reach this world? It's going to take several who say, I'm going to be a living sacrifice. I'm going to say, Lord, I'm willing to go. I'm willing to invest I'm willing to help somehow. I'm willing to pray that these people where over half the world's population lives in this box. Three and a half billion people who still need to hear of our Savior. But it's not going to be done the the old methods. Just doing what I can. (laughs) Because we're failing in that way. To get that done, we're going to have to go beyond ourselves, beyond our power. We're going to have to submit ourselves to God afresh. And we may have to do that many times because our old flesh keeps trying to take, the, take the reins back. Whoa, what are you trying to do here? Uh, don't you know you're 56 years old? Uh-huh. Mm. I, want, I want to see God do what He can do. Amen? And it's not because of me. But he, he does want to use us. He wants a willing vessel. I want to be one of those. He's not using me because I'm smart. I'm not. Um, some of these people I work with in that part of the world, they have more degrees on, behind their name than I have. But God wants to use us. And He is doing great and mighty things and I don't want to sit on the sideline and say, yeah, I wish I could do that. 
but I just can't. Because that's, that's what the devil told me. That's what maybe the devil's telling you. I can't, I can't do that. Oh, yes, we can. With God, all things are possible. With God, all things are possible. <coughs> and uh, these people were in such dire straits. They'd have been the last church a missionary would have called up to get support. Hmm? I've heard about them up there, man. They're poor. They are dirt poor. There's no way they'll be able to support me. That's the wrong way to look at it, number one. Some of my most faithful supporting churches are half the size of this one. See, God wants us to, to do what we can do. He wants us to present ourselves. Maybe today you need to present yourself to him. Say, here, my Lord, I know I'm not much. That's my prayer. But here I am. Use me. And I work at, my part is to not be conformed to the world, but be transformed and continue to be yielded to Him. And He gives me the faith to act on this, and I must present myself. First give myself to Him every day. Is that you today? Have you presented yourself to Him? Maybe... uh, Maybe you're, you're caught up in the world's thinking and, and you've conformed to this world. Would you let God transform you? We are not to think like the world. What they say is up is down, according to the Bible. What they say is progress is not progress. <laughs> if we read this book, we find that out. And the ways of God are... are are strange to this world. That's what the, the Athenians told Paul. You, we, our ears are hearing strange things we've never heard. I'm here to preach to you about the unknown God. He's unknown to you. He's not unknown to me. Amen. And the world needs to know about the Lord Jesus Christ. But it's going to take people. God wants to use us. Let's stand for prayer, please. Father, thank You for Your Word. And thank You for the privilege to have a a copy of it in my language. Thank You for these dear folks who have come out today. I pray that we've each one heard from You. That You could stir our heart. Put Your finger on the area in our life where we need to take a step of faith. Maybe that, that... area is uh, simply presenting ourselves to you a living sacrifice maybe it's to get away from the world and its influence maybe it's to spend more time in your word be more transformed by the renewing of my mind so I may prove what is that good and acceptable perfect will of God that you have for my life Lord I pray that it would be each one of our desires that we would be found faithful in performing your perfect will in our life. I realize there's, there's folks here who have been saved a long time, some that have not been saved very long. May each of us be willing to take the step of faith you're putting on our heart. 
Lord, I ask that you do a work that only you can. May we present ourselves afresh. Maybe some here have gotten away from that plan you have for them. Please help us, Lord, to be submissive to the Spirit's leading today. So you may have the honor and glory and praise through our life. Because you're worthy.